Here's what, here's what I noticed. I was sitting in Starbucks, and I was like, okay, God, which direction do you want me to go in? And, uh, and I want to continue to build the concept of the kingdom in your mind because I know, I know that we cannot get this in one teaching. We can't get this in one teaching. It has to be layer upon layer, and it's going to be year after year for this ministry. Um, this is all Jesus preached. This is all he preached. Uh, when he preached to the public, all he did was talk about the kingdom. So I'm going to be like that. I'm going to talk about the kingdom because in the kingdom is everything you need. Okay? So I'm sitting in Starbucks and, um, and I'm looking around and God was just, you know, sometimes I just people watch. You ever people watch? You just wonder, what are they doing? You know? And I saw people sitting in meetings and people were coming in in their business suits and then other guys were coming with book bags and just like t-shirts on and like all these different walks of life walking into Starbucks. And they're sitting down, they're having business meetings, they're having gatherings, they're having, they're having uh, conversations, strategies. Some people are doing graphic designs and others are doing, they're checking their stocks and other people are, are checking, you know, this or that. And some people are just sitting on Facebook just like looking at other people's business. And, and you know, it, all that is going on and, and, and God said, you know what's happening? And I said, I said what's happening? Because, you know, I think I know, but he's obviously trying to lead me somewhere. So I, I said, well, what's happening? He said, all of these people are doing the same exact thing. And I said, what? They look like they're doing different things. Why, how, how do you say they're doing diff, uh, the same thing? He said, they're all trying to achieve a new life. In fact, one guy was sitting behind me, and I was sitting outside on the, on the outside this time. And I had my headphones on, but I didn't have anything playing at the time. And, and um, it was a businessman in a business suit. And then there was a, a younger guy. Well, he wasn't young, but he was probably, he wasn't old. He might have been, you know, 40s, somewhere in there, 45, something like that. And um, he was sitting there, and they were talking. And he, the guy was really passionate about something. I mean, he was very loud. I couldn't, he was right behind me, but he was very loud. And he's sitting there talking to this real clean-cut businessman. And He's basically making a case about his performance at work. I can see where, you know, he's making this case about, I've been here so many years, and I've been, and I've been faithful, and, I, and I've been working hard, and you don't see all the things I do, and you don't see all the things I've done, and da-da-da. And he's building this case. And then he talks probably, the man lets him talk probably 10 minutes straight. I kid you not. And he says, and the man says, hey, he says, hey, man, I understand. He said, but the decision that we made is, you know, I think it's the right decision. And, and. And the guy says, you know, you know we got to let you go. And, uh, and I was like, wow, I didn't know they let people go at Starbucks anyway. Couldn't that be done at the job? But So the guy goes back into defending himself. He's, and he's defending himself, and he's got good points. But the guy says, yeah, but, you know, we keep record of all this and that. And, you know, and he pulls out the proof. But you're doing this also. I know you're doing great things, but also you're doing this. And that's against our policies or whatever. And so the man finally, I mean, they, I, I kid you not, y'all, they talked for 45 minutes. He made a case like, like he was in court. And for 45 minutes they talked, and he was passionately trying to build this case. And the guy was just sitting very calmly talking. He said, he said well, I'm sorry, that's, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and, uh, and it, was a, it was a pretty healthy conversation. They were not going at each other. But I just remember towards the end, the man started to cry. A grown man sitting in Starbucks starts crying. Because he said, I put in all these years at this company. And he was crying, trying to, just passion coming out of him about his job. And he said, I put in all this time, I've done all these things for you guys. And, and he said, if you pulled out my record of the good things I've done, the, the record that you got in your hand of the wrong things I've done, they wouldn't even compare. 
And the guy says, that's probably true. You know, that's, that's probably why we've kept you around longer than, because than, you've done some things that other people wouldn't have gotten grace for. And so he's making this case. He's crying. But at the end of the day, all of his good could not weigh as bad. And I remember being an employee before and remembering, how come it's only, you only get talked to when there's something wrong? You ever feel like that? Why, why is it that we only get pulled in the office when there's something wrong? You know what I'm saying? So I could understand the guy's feeling. But then it clicked in my head. And see, it, it's, it's the attitude that we have, and, and it goes into our church life. Why does my good not cover up my bad? Because, see, in God's eyes, that doesn't work either. Because, see, the, the, the tree in the garden was the knowledge of good and evil. Because, see, there's a problem when you're evil, but there's a real big problem when you think you're good. Right? Because in God's kingdom, there's such a holy standard that our goodness can never measure up to it. That's why we need a savior. Because there's nothing we can do that's good enough. It's an exhausting race. And so as I looked around at all these people, I thought, well, God, I understand the kingdom, but how, how do you want me to approach this on Sunday? And he said, I want you to tell them how to get that new life. So I'm going to tell you today exactly how to get the new life. And I'm going to tell you also some things about the enemy that you did not know. And this might, might, just a little bit offend somebody but I'm an equal offender so I'm just going to speak the word the truth is it can I just speak the truth and I and I've been hesitant all week like oh I don't know if I should go there I'm not I'm not coming at anybody I'm just going to preach the truth because that's what sets you free and I need stuff that in my life to be set free from and unfortunately when I open the word of God God doesn't you know curve it for me I read it and it is what it is and, and so I have to deal with what it is amen so let's get into it it's going to be good for the most part there's just a part that might get in your stuff a little bit have you ever had a message that got in your stuff amen all right so so let's do this let's do a quick three five minute review are y'all scared now don't be scared see y'all looking at each other like what are you talking about offensive I, this, I came to church to be inspired you're going to be inspired. Amen. All right. Quick, quick review time. All right. Last week we talked about several things, but the one thing we talked about, Genesis 1.26. If you want to throw that on the screen, that'll be fine. But I'm just going to hit a couple of bullet points for review for the new people. We talked about what did God give Adam? He gave him what? Dominion. So the first gift God gave his man that he created was dominion. In the Hebrew, radah. In the Greek, mamlakak, these words mean authority. Now, fast forward all these thousands of years, and we don't have what God gave Adam. And that's why there's not a big difference in church-going folks and worldly folks is in, in regards to who has a control of their circumstances. Sometimes it even seems like worldly folks have more control than, than church-going folks. This is wrong because God gave man complete authority. And he said to Adam, he said, subdue. Yeah. See, in kingdoms, they don't, they don't, they don't uh, 
they, they expand, they take over, they have authority, and they subdue. So what God was telling him was a kingdom thing. He said, go and subdue this planet. So, he, and this is the, the scripture right here. He says, let them have dominion. So we talked about dominion. Then also, we went to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And so I proved it a little further. God gave Adam dominion. What do kings give their children for their birthday? Dominion. Dominion is a territory. So if you were born to a king, when you are old enough for him to conversate with you, he would say, son, guess what I have given you? Before you were even born. And he would walk you out and show you the kingdom. And he said, I have given you this. It's all yours. Subdue it. Take my authority and rule it for the kingdom of God. Amen? I use the example of the Lion King. Y'all seen that movie? When Simba was old enough, what does daddy do? He took him up on a mountain. And he said, everything that we see, everything that the light touches, that's ours. He said, it's going to be yours one day. So before he even took possession of it, it was his. Do you understand where I'm going? Because that's a kingdom principle. God never gave man, and I'm not bashing denominations, you know, I'm just saying this is just biblical text right here. God did not give us um, denominations. He did not give us separations. He did not give us all these varieties of religions. He didn't give us any of that. If we are God-believing people, we have to go back to what did God give Adam so that we can restore what God gave Adam. If you want to know what Jesus came to bring, you have to look at what Adam lost. You ever wonder what Jesus came to do? You got to look at what Adam lost. Adam lost his dominion. I feel this thing stirring. I know y'all like, is he going to preach? I'm going to preach. So Jesus, Isaiah 9, is, is that up there? So here comes Jesus. It's being prophesied. This is, this is so far. This is hundreds of years before Jesus ever comes. Okay? And Isaiah, God speaks through his prophet Isaiah, and he says this. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. It's capital son, S-O-N. Who is this talking about? Jesus, the Christ. And he says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. What's on Jesus' shoulder? Government. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus' first public statement lines up with this prophecy about him. He says, after he's baptized, he comes up out of the water and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. What did Jesus say is here? The kingdom. Kingdom is a style of government. Because we don't, we don't have concepts to, to really understand the Bible, so we have to go back and recapture the concepts. The kingdom is a style of government. So that's why it makes sense when Jesus said, repent. In other words, he said, turn away from that old style and get this new government. And he said, not it's coming. He said, it's at hand. That word translates to mean it has arrived. How did it arrive? Because it's on me. What did Jesus have? Government. If you have government, you have power. Why do we not have much control of our circumstances? We don't understand our heavenly government. So, I'm, I'm going slow. Are you with me? This is good stuff. I get so excited when I preach the kingdom. All right. So, Jesus goes and he's teaching his disciples. And he says this, Matthew 6, verse 10. Here's more proof. I'm just building my case, okay? Matthew 6, verse 10 And Jesus said, listen, guys, I want you to pray. 
And he said, this is how you pray. He said, pray that the kingdom would come on earth and his will would be done on earth. How? Exactly how it is in heaven. Pray that that would be how it is on the earth. So what Jesus is saying, Adam had this lifestyle. Adam had this this privilege. He had dominion. He had the kingdom. He lost it. When he lost it, Jesus came back and said, now I want you guys to pray that the kingdom would come back. The government, the authority, the ruling authority of God would come back. This is going to make a whole lot of sense to you the next time you read your Bible. So now Jesus says, so we we know that our biggest opposition, especially in America, but this is worldwide, our biggest opposition is religion. Because religion makes man focus on paradise. And it turns man's focus inward. So everything we do if we have religious mindsets is geared towards getting to paradise. Woo, I feel it already. The kingdom mindset is reversed. If you have a, if you have a kingdom mindset, kingdom people want to take over. The earth, okay? You understand what I'm saying? Religious people want to do good to get to heaven. Kingdom people want to take the authority to rule the earth. Are you feeling me? It's a reverse mindset. As a matter of fact, one time Jesus said, don't. He said, Father, I do not pray that you take them out. You're praying to get out of your situation. Jesus is praying to get in it. Y'all feel that? I feel the devil just on the ropes. So we're praying, God, take this pain away. Jesus is saying, let me in and I'll take it away. But we just want it to be gone. We don't want to take authority, take dominion. We, we don't want to learn the keys and how to do this. Jesus said, you have to learn how to do it. We also remember that we talked about kingdoms are not emotional. Governments do not respond to your emotions. If you walk into the courtroom and you are guilty of a crime, you can cry all you want to. But the fact is, is you committed a crime. And when you cry, the judge cannot let your tears weigh into his decision. They do not matter. What matters? The legal right and authority in the case you build legally. So God gives you a legal document. And this book has become so religious, but in a kingdom, if you look at it through what it is, what did Jesus have? Government, right? All governments have a constitution. So I'm going to give you that word to give you a concept to understand this. So this is not just a bunch of religious duties that you do this is your constitutional rights jesus says you have the right to receive my sonship you have the right to have dominion another thing religion does religion makes you work for it but if you are a citizen of a kingdom is this too deep if you are a citizen of a kingdom the government works for you amen the bible says that you will rule angels What does that mean? That means that we have authority in the earth. It's not us working for the government. The government is working for us. Okay? Philippians 4 says, when you petition God, that he will answer it. You know why why that makes sense in the kingdom? You know why? Because when you send up, you have a right to have access to your leaders. Do you know that even in society right now, you can write a letter and request a meeting with any of your government appointed officials that you want to? You know why? Because they work for you. We see them walking around town and we get scared. Look, it's the governor. Look, 
Look, it's the mayor. Police chief. In reality, he should be afraid of you. We hired him. You understand what I'm saying? So here's what it looks like in a kingdom. The Bible says, when will you be saved? You will be saved, Romans 10, uh, Romans 10, 9. It says, you will be saved if you call on the name of the Lord. What does that mean? That means when you agree and make him your appointed Lord or leader or owner, we learned what that word meant, he is now responsible for you. It's a government setup. Amen. Do you know when I travel, oh, Lord, this is going to get deep. Are y'all okay? All right. So when I travel, sometimes, um, you know, if you go to Africa, if you go anywhere abroad, okay, usually, you got to fill out a lot of papers, and you got to have your, your, your stuff in order. And one of the things you have to do is you have to fill out visa forms, all right, so that you can enter the country, okay? And you got to have a passport. So when you go in the country, why do you have to do all these forms? And to leave the United States, my government has to know that I'm leaving. You can't just leave. So your passport is proof of that, okay? They have to know where you are. They even ask me, when you leave the country, where are you staying? How long will you be staying there? Why? Because I am government property. And even when I leave and I'm in a foreign territory, I still belong to the home government. Y'all see why I'm putting this together? So, so Jesus came, and he is from heaven, but he's in the earth. So he has authority, not because he's in the earth, but because he is a citizen of heaven. And his rights travel with him. Do you realize that when, I, when I'm in Kenya, if a war breaks out, the United States has to come and get me. Do you know why they have to defend me? Because I'm a citizen of the government. And Paul said, look, y'all starting to feel safer in God's hands right now. Because the government works for you. God set it up this way. He wanted you not to be working for the government. As a matter of fact, in a, I'm not even preaching what's on my paper, but this is good. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, in, or, or I'm sorry, in government setups, there is nowhere that you will see where citizens do fighting. We don't fight. We take authority. We make commands. But we don't fight. And the Bible says that God has given us charge over his army of angels. So the army of God fights for you. But you're not supposed to be the one fighting. Amen? So when, you go to, when, when our country goes to war, thank God they go to war. As a matter of fact, as soon as you join the military, you no longer are a civilian. You lose your citizenship because you become property of the government. So until you get out, you then become a civilian again. You get your rights back, but you have to go and fight for the country. As a matter of fact, the reason why they now people cry over people that are lost in war, and that's because we're human. But when you sign up for the military, they already count you a dead man. You are no longer property, no longer a citizen. Let's say it that way. I don't want to confuse you. No longer a citizen with the rights. You are now defending the citizens. Does that make sense? All right. So I'm moving into something. So you have angels that are fighting for you because you're a citizen. Amen. Good Lord. I'm building a kingdom concept. The next few weeks, though, we're going right into some keys, some practical things for you. And, and it's going to blow your mind. All right. So Jesus died and took authority and restored it back to us, giving, giving us back our dominion. Matthew 28, 18. Most people know this as the Great Commission. Do we have that too? See if you can find that. Matthew 28, 18. 
He said, all authority has been given unto me. So we're not talking about a religion. We're talking about authority. I've made my case the last two weeks, so I'm going to go on. Now, let's get into it. Y'all y'all ready for the new stuff? That was a quick review. Okay, so we have to go back to what God's original plan was for mankind. So I've been telling you it's about a government. It's about a kingdom. This is what the Bible is about. Your Bible is about a kingdom expansion plan. If you want to know the subject matter of this Bible, it is kingdom expansion plan. That's what this is. It's the kingdom expansion plan. You should write that in your notes. It's going to be very important later. And what the kingdom expansion plan entails is all kingdoms want to expand, by the way. Why is this, why is this true? Because in no other form of government do they expand. Democracies don't expand. Kingdoms are set up to expand because the king gets his glory from how much territory he has. Because the more territory or dominions he has, the more his influence and his glory can be in, uh, duplicated in another place. So what, they, what kings are trying to do is make all of creation their property so that their name is glorified. It all points back to the king. So God lets us know him as a king. And earth is nothing more than a part of the kingdom expansion plan. This is some good stuff, right? This is Bible college. Y'all know that, right? That's why it's Excel University. Sunday school will be after this series is over. I'm giving you some meat right now. All right. So it's about the kingdom expansion plan. The subject of the Bible is about the expansion of a kingdom. God's original plan, this is when it's starting to get good, was to get heaven into the earth. When God created the earth, he created everything and then he put man in it. He created the earth and said, I want to give you dominion and I want you to duplicate, subdue this place and make it just like heaven. Jesus says this again. We just reviewed it in Matthew 6:10. He said, hey, pray when you're praying, pray that the kingdom would come and that it would be done on earth exactly how it is in heaven. Make it your priority, he says, Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all of the stuff that we're seeking, the new life, it'll come to you. I know you're tired of running on the treadmill of life, trying to find that next thing, that key to that thing, and, and that'll satisfy you. But it doesn't exist. The only thing that exists that will satisfy man, because it's God's creation, is the kingdom. So Jesus said, forget everything else first. Seek the kingdom and everything else will come to you. It will be added. Amen? Amen. So God wants you to have a heavenly life right now while you're here on the earth. That's what he wants for you. So it includes everything else that you're trying to attain. So if you chase money, you're going to miss the kingdom. If you chase health, you're going to miss the kingdom. You can't make anything your life's pursuit except understanding the kingdom. Because if you spend time doing that, all the other stuff comes with that. I'm trying to make life easier for you. It's easier to chase one thing than, than to chase a hundred things. Amen. So, here, so uh, kingdoms, the way they operate, they operate by, the, by rights and birth. They want to take over and dominate, subdue the land, and make it a heavenly place. Now, if you want to know, here's, here's, a good, here's a good way to figure this out. If you want to know what your life is going to look like, you have to study heaven. So if you want to know what is God trying to do in my life, you've got to know what heaven looks like. 
If you want to know how am I supposed to look like me, what is my quality of life supposed to be, not just my lifestyle, but my life, you got to study Jesus. All right, I got, I got scriptures to prove all of this. 1 John 4, 17. Can you throw that on the screen for me? 1 John 4, 17. Y'all say amen when y'all see it. Because if I beat him to it, then. 1 John 4, 17. I win. It says this. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because why? Because as he is talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. How are we supposed to be? As he is. That's kind of heavy right there. He wants us to be like Jesus. Is Jesus stressed out? So am I in this world. Is Jesus poor? So am I in this world. Is Jesus healthy? So am I in this world. Is Jesus worried? So am I in this world. Are you hearing me? This is what God is trying to make your life look like. Man, that, I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. It's deep. I know, I know, I know, I know. Every time I, every time I study, I'm like, oh, Lord. I don't know if they're ready for this. Are you ready? Are you hanging with me? Okay. All right. So you got to study Jesus to know what your life is going to look like. Now, kingdoms use a process to make this happen. So how, how am I going to be looking like Jesus? How is heaven going to get into the earth? There's a process to it. And next week, that's where we're going to start talking about the process and the programs. Okay? Government has programs. Everybody in here is probably on somebody's program right now. Somebody's program. Have you ever been on like a weight loss program? Have you ever, have you ever got on somebody's like get your life together program, self-help book program, counseling program? Am I the only one? I've gone to the gyms and they try to sell me programs. Here, this is how you get, you know, this is how you're going to get in shape right here. You go on GNC, they, this is how you do it. And then you turn on the TV and everybody's trying to sell you a program. Yeah. Do y'all watch TV? Everybody's trying to sell you a program. Do this and your life will be better. Do this and your life will be better. Buy this and your life will be better. I'm tired of looking at that stuff. Jesus said there's only one program. If you want all this stuff, it's okay if you want to buy something, but don't lean on that. That thing is not, you can't lean on that. As a matter of fact, it's good to eat healthy. It's good to take care of yourself. But at the end of the day, I rely on the grace of God to keep me straight. Because if you rely on eating right, it's good to eat right. But it doesn't mean it's going to be foolproof. You know, they're sneaking stuff in your food now. And you know what you got to do? You got to trust in the grace of God. It's the only thing that's going to give you peace. You try to eat right. You try to get a good job. And you know what? Just like that man who said, hey, I thought I was going to retire with you guys. And they cut him loose. But I'm sure all those years he thought this is going to be my plan. And what happens to that plan? Eventually your plan runs out. You save for retirement. You get to retirement age. And what do they do? They cut the benefits. Why do they do that? Because they can. It's the government. You got to rely on a higher government. I remember one time my company was going under when I worked in this one place. And they used to, and I, and I didn't stress it at all. And the guys used to ask me, how come everybody's running around acting crazy? And, and you seem like you're walking around whistling and, you know, bless the Lord. I'm just walking around. And, and they said, what's wrong with you? I said, there's nothing going to happen to this company. And they're like, well, why are you so confident? I said, because I work here. Because when I got here, they got blessed. They're not going under. I just got here. 
See, that's how I think because I'm not under their power. I'm under his. And so when you remove yourself from the world system and say, Lord, this is, I am yours. You are my Lord. You can eliminate the worry. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Seek first the kingdom. When you understand the kingdom, I say, I remember saying this. I got too much seed in the ground for me to be broke. I plant too much seed. I give too much. I go out for people too much planting my seeds for me not to be getting a harvest. I'm working the kingdom. That's what I'm doing. I don't know what they're doing. I'm working the kingdom. I'm not waiting on the government to fix me. A guy said uh, at TBN Tuesday, he said, we need to stop looking at Obama and start calling out for old Jesus. Because the government is just not going to be there like you think they will. Praise the Lord. This is good stuff. All right, here we go. So there's the process. This is the process. And the process, let me give you a vocabulary word, okay? This is, there's a word in the Bible that's repeated over and over, but I'm going to give you, it uses this root word, but I'm going give to give you this to conceptualize the idea I'm going to introduce to you right now. All right, the word is colonization. All right, so write that down. Colonization. The Bible's full of pictures of colonies. All right, we have our own pictures of colonies in our world. America started out as the original 13 colonies. We were, we were extensions, all right, of our home country. And this word colonization has a whole lot of things in it. But let me just give you the, the, the basic definition of it. Colonization is to duplicate a country in another land. That's a simple definition. It means to duplicate one country in a foreign land. All right? It takes a group of people sent from the home country to pull this off. They always send a delegation of people. They send a governor who represents the king, and he has all the authority of the king, and he is the presiding resident of the kingdom. When you got saved, the Bible says that you got a resident with you. God moved into your life as the governor moves into the new country, and his job is to make you like the kingdom. The governor resides in you. If you've ever been to a foreign country, they have, if, they are, if they're a colony of another territory, like the Bahamas was a colony of Great Britain, if they had for 200 years, they had a man living in a big pink house on the island. He was the governor. Wherever he was, the full weight of Great Britain was behind him. Wherever the governor is, the kingdom is present. It can be a foreign land, but the full weight of the kingdom is with him. If you are born again in here, you have a resident and the full weight of the kingdom is with you. That's why the Bible says you shall decree a thing and it shall come to pass. Why? Because it's not me. I'm speaking on behalf of the government. That's good stuff. So you get a resident. This is part of colonization. Now let me blow your mind a little more. Matthew 16, 18. We, we talked about this verse last week. Throw it on the screen for me. I'm going to go as far as I can today, guys, and we'll pick it up next week. Amen? It's about to get good. Matthew 16, verse 18. If I beat him there, y'all say amen if he gets it before me. I got too many scriptures. Oh. Because we, we, you should have this one in your notes already. I just like, you know what? I like to show you scripture so you don't think I'm telling you a story. You ever go to churches and they... They tell a whole story and don't even read a scripture till the end. And they're like, by the way, Jesus loves you. And you're like, you teach me the Bible. All right. Matthew 16, 18. Here's what Jesus says. 
He asked him, he says, who do you say that I am? And here's, here's what the whole the conversation was about. He says, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then uh, Jesus says, verse 18, I also say to you, Peter, that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What is it? My church. What is it? Church. What is it? The gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, it's not that it's going to defend you from hell coming into your life. It's we are taking over and hell is not going to be able to stop us from doing it. We are on the offensive here. And Jesus said, I'm going to establish my church. This only makes sense in your mind if you understand kingdom. And I'm trying to get you there. That word right there is translated ecclesia. And I think it's spelled E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. Ecclesia, I believe the spelling is right. But the word, listen to the word. In Rome, this, in this time, Rome was in power, okay? And Rome had a system of government. And Jesus is drawing a parallel to what he is doing to what Rome is doing. In fact, the reason why God sent Jesus during the time of Rome was because Rome was God's prototype of what the kingdom of God works like. So now he knows I have a prototype in place. They're going to understand what I'm saying now better than they ever would at any other time. Rome was the first empire to colonize. Colonize means you move into the territory and take it over. All other countries would go into the new land, take the best of the land, and bring all the people back to their territory. Rome moved into the land and took it over. So Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, my ecclesia. What is their job? The governor moves in, and he takes with him an ecclesia. The governor is the head of the church. And then we, Rome had a meeting every year where uh, Pilate was a governor, okay? The guy who tried Jesus. Y'all know that story, okay? Pilate was a governor. Pilate would meet with his senate, and they would talk about ecclesiastical matters, and those matters had to do with the laws and enforcing the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Rome into this territory. Stay with me. Are you with me? All right. So Jesus said, I'm going to build my senate. And it is going to enforce the kingdom of God into the earth. And I am going to move in my resident. And it will, t and he, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit will come and he will teach you all things. He is in your life to teach you how to act like a kingdom citizen. And to empower you to do it. And we are the ecclesia. And together we are supposed to take the kingdom of God and take over the world. Re and, and reestablish it in the earth. So God is trying to duplicate heaven into the earth, and he's using the governor, which is the Holy Spirit, and his church, the ecclesia. The, it's not a religious word. Jesus, listen, God didn't, Jesus didn't invent this word. The word church was the word that came from Rome. Ecclesia, it's the word they used for the gathering of the Senate. As a matter of fact, what do we call this in church? Pastors ask me all the time, how is your congra? Do you know what a congress is? It's an assembly of lawmakers. It's an assembly of, of people that have an agenda to uphold a government. This word congregation came from the word congress. We are the congress of God. We are supposed to meet in here and decide what's in in our society and what's out. Congress sits in the room and they say, well, they're trying to make this a law. Y'all want to vote on it? Is it going to be in or out? 
And we do the same thing. We sit in here and we say, the world is trying to make pass this law. The world is trying to pass that, that law. And we should be so influential in our city that they have to come and check with us and the Congress. And we say, that's not going to work. That's not of the kingdom of God. We're not going to let that go. I'm sorry. You're going to send that one back. Are y'all with me? I know, I know this is just blowing, dynamiting everybody's mindsets, but you got you to gotta stick with me, okay? All right, so here's, here's the characteristics. So this is the process. It's called colonization. The governor moves in as the resident, okay? And then Jesus builds his church around the governor. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, it's your advantage that I leave because then the Holy Spirit will come. When the Holy Spirit comes in you, now you have authority, that's good. All right, so Jesus actually said one time, if I cast out a demon, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, what he was saying is, if you want to see evidence of my government at work, it must push out old things and allow the kingdom to come in. This is evidence of colonization. Colonization cannot, cannot entertain mixture. Because the idea, listen to me before I move to the next thing. The idea that God is doing is a kingdom takeover. First, he created the earth and he said, subdue it. Adam lost it. Now, plan B, if you want to call it that, is I'm going to restore the kingdom. So I'm going to send my son. He's going to restore the kingdom. Now, let me give you what I'm going to tell you what mankind is actually. Here's what mankind is trying to do. All right. By the way, I got to finish colonization. I'm sorry. I can't move on to the next thing. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So here's what colonization does. It takes away all traces of your old life and your culture and replaces it with the kingdom culture. It takes away all of your old stuff and gives you the new stuff. Now your Bible is getting ready to make more sense. It takes away your sickness and gives you health because that's not of the kingdom. Sickness is not of the kingdom. So colonization is removing old things. It takes away weakness and gives you strength. When you're under the kingdom, it takes away poverty and gives you riches. Jesus became poor so you could become. You thought that was a religious verse. That's colonization at work. He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. That's colonization at work. That's the kingdom coming upon you to take away the old things that are not allowed in heaven and making, duplicating itself in the earth. Wow. All right. So Jesus said, I can now, okay, let me, now give me 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Even now, when you become, praise the Lord. So when you become a citizen of the government, y'all, I feel like I'm teaching history class up here. When you become the citizen of a government, here's what happened. Y'all never read your Bible like this in your life. I know, I know, because it blew me away when I got it. Okay, so this is what the Bible says. Now, um, uh, my wife, she's, she's from the Congo, okay? So when you move to America from another nation, Okay, they got to take away, they actually cut up your birth certificate, right? So, and as far as the Congo is concerned, you have died. They cut your birth certificate up, okay? And, uh, and the new place gives you a new one. So, the Bible says that when you are born again, you die in Christ as a resident of the earth, and you are raised again with new life as a citizen of the home country once again. Your salvation is reconnecting you with citizenship. Now, another thing that comes with that is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This verse makes sense to you now. Watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, number one, he's a citizen now. If he's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Why? Because that's what governments do. They take away your history, 
and they give you their history. They take away your name even and give you a new name. So it doesn't matter how you, what your life looked like when you came into church, the government exchanges your old life with the new one. So you could have been a club going loser, like I don't even know what you want, just think with me, whatever, whatever we used to do when we acted crazy, you could be a cheat, a lot, whatever, whatever you want to call it, and you come into the kingdom and they say, I'll take that past and I'm going to give you mine. That's not a religious experience, it's a government experience. They take away your history and give you theirs. Do you know when they move into a new territory, they remove all the history books of the old land. That's what America did when they came to America. That's why we talk the way we talk. Because we have been colonized by Europe. We, we got European dress. Where do you think suit and ties and all that came from? The Indians didn't wear suit and ties. They were colonized by this new culture. Why do we speak English? Because we came from England. Amen. And so they pushed the Indians out and said, here's your two choices. You got to learn uh, English culture and become like us. You have to get rid of your past and your heritage and become like us. That's what kingdoms do. They expand and they duplicate themselves in a new land. Now, give me five minutes to finish this last thought. All right, I need my pictures on the screen of the bumper sticker that I gave you back there. And y'all go to Matthew 33. All right. I got five more minutes. All right. So uh, maybe you've been driving around town. Go to the one that says uh, tolerance or coexist. Let's do that one. Okay. So here's what mankind does now. And if you got this bumper sticker on your car, I'm not coming at you. Maybe you just didn't know what it was. Okay. All right. So, here, so here's, what's, here's what we're doing now. Since mankind is not at peace and we cannot figure out the combination to live at peace with one another. Now, the new policy that men are coming up with, since we don't understand God's policy, is that why don't we just let everything go, and let's just have a respect for one another's differences. This is what we want now. There are no lines. There is no right, no wrong. Everything is gray. There's no black. There's no white. Everything is mixed. Now, I just taught you about colonization. What is God's agenda? It's to duplicate his culture in the earth. Now, kingdoms never mix. Kingdoms never integrate. Kingdoms never coexist. Religions can coexist. Kingdoms never coexist. Their agenda is to run out every culture and give you their new life. Right. So this, this, this way of thinking and all of these different symbols mean something else, but they all point to peace or love. Why can't we just get along? Why can't we just respect one another? Why can't we just coexist? The Jews and the Baha'is and the Christians and the Muslims and, and the, what, the men and women. Like, why can't all genders and all people just do what they want to do? Why can't we do that? It seems logical. Hey, maybe since we can't restore earth, uh, uh, peace on earth like we thought we should be able to, let's just make everything legal and have no boundaries. And then maybe we'll be at peace because then, you know, let's just respect. Uh, I, I, man, I just crawl. I'm telling you, it crawls up my skin when somebody tells me, why don't we just respect them and, 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 and let them be? Them different groups. I love them the way they are. But you don't want to tell you what's going on in my mind? Colonization. I ain't try I'm loving you right where you are, but I am trying to win you to Christ. And if you don't want to be one to Christ, you're going to have to kick me out because I am not going to sit in here and tolerate. 
I'm not going to coexist with you. I am going to influence you with the love of God until you give in to what I'm saying. I am going to put my love on you so much that you say, I got to have this kingdom thing that you're talking about. Let me see the next picture. So this is a picture of, of how they're trying to mix everything up. Islam, Buddhism, Scientology, Judaism, paganism. I don't even know what that word means. Christian. I haven't studied Wiccan. I don't know who that is. Okay, the Wiccans. Praise the Lord. All right. The point is, we don't coexist. All right, next, next word. Or right, next, next picture. Let me show you. I'm showing. This is bumper stickers, y'all. This is not. I'm not making this up. Peace and love. Peace, man. Peace. Why can't I go to the parties and hang out with everybody and just accept them for who they are, right where they are? Because kingdoms don't do that. If I'm coming to your party, you better believe I got a word, and I'm going to make you so uncomfortable. You're going to kick me out, or you're never going to invite me back. But eventually, I'm going to be in your ear. I'm not going to be sitting in there propped up like, well, this is just, uh, you know, hey, brother, that's just you. You do what you got to do. I'm going to be in there trying to tell you about the kingdom of God. It's a much better way to peace. It's a much better way. Peace and love. Listen, they put bumper stickers everywhere. Have we accomplished peace and love? No. We're afraid of each other. We backstab each other. We don't trust anybody. Let me see one more. And then there's a whole bunch of varieties of this. Let's tolerate it. Let's tolerate it. Let me, let me give you Matthew 13, 33. Are you there? 13, 33. Here's what Jesus said. Now, here's the problem. In religions, you can coexist. You can have an alternative lifestyle. You can have an alternative um, romantic lifestyle. You can, have, you can have whatever you want in a religion. And that's cool because that's religion. But, but you're not in the kingdom. See, that's the difference. You, you can have, you know, they have, they have churches that are all one lifestyle. And if you struggle with that lifestyle, I'm just telling you, God's got a whole lot better way for you. And it has a whole lot more peace to it. And it has a whole lot more satisfaction in it. And, and this is what Jesus said. Here, here's, because you got to understand the kingdom. No, we cannot coexist because that is directly against kingdom thinking. Jesus said another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Watch this. It's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. What does leaven do? It's yeast. And it works into the meal until the whole meal is leavened. Jesus also warned later on. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, beware of religious teaching and doctrine. He said, why is it so important? Because a little bit of wrong teaching leavens your whole world. A little lie in your life tears up your whole world. Most of us will be get our whole world together if we just take out all the stuff that we've been taught throughout our lives and grab the kingdom. Because it only takes a little lie. To take over your whole world. Your whole world, Jesus said, will be rocked. He said it's like leaven. And then there's two kingdoms at work doing this at the same time. You got the kingdom of darkness. And they're putting out yeast. And they're putting it out. And, and listen, here's some characteristics of yeast. Let, watch this. Things you need to know. Yeast never becomes dough. So we cannot coexist. Yeast never becomes dough. Yeast impacts dough yeast makes the dough react your bread rises because there's yeast in it and when there's yeast in it the 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 yeast commands the dough to to take action the dough it never becomes dough so no we cannot coexist 
It never mixes with dough. It changes it. Yeast always gets bigger under pressure. The more you try to stomp out the kingdom and the more heat you put yeast under, the more it reacts and rises. The children of Israel were afflicted by Egypt and the Bible says that the more they afflicted them, the more they grew. And so if you're in the kingdom of God, anything the enemy is trying to bring against you right now, it's going to work against him and it's going to make you grow. Because the kingdom is like yeast and it gets worked in to the world, the dough, and it changes the world. So Jesus said yeast changes the world. The yeast there, the dough there is the world. The yeast is the kingdom. So Jesus said, I'm taking my yeast and I'm working into the kingdom. Here's another thing yeast doesn't do. Yeast cannot talk. So how we live and how we operate and how we refuse to coexist, how we refuse to tolerate, it doesn't have to be violent, but you do have to take a stand. Amen. Because yeast never becomes dough. And he said, if you're going to take over, you don't always have to be talking about it. You got to be doing it. Because yeast can't talk. He said, you are the light of the world and light doesn't have lips. It cannot speak. It just shines. When they see your life, they should be like, what is this? It shines. It grows. It impacts. It just does what it does. We don't have to march. We don't have to protest. I see people getting their signs and going and marching and protest. In the kingdom, you don't protest. You influence. I catch those people on their jobs, and I'm working beside them, and guess what I'm doing? I'm influencing. And I'm in the grocery store, and I see a, a, cash, a cashier lose her temper, and, and I say something nice to her and, and, and de-escalate the situation. What am I doing? I'm yeast. I'm influencing. You're working at your job, and everybody's cussing and acting ungodly, and you say, God, I wish I could just work at the church. And God said, no, I sent you there as yeast to influence it. I sent you there to change it, not to become part of it. You ever get caught in a, in a conversation at work, and I tell some of the younger guys that I mentor, they say, you know, at work, this is going on, that's going on. And I said, they ever tell, like, inappropriate jokes? Well, yeah. I said, you ever standing around laughing at it with them? Uh, no wonder they're not coming to church. You're one of them. If you're laughing at the same joke, you're one of them. You can't impact what you are a part of. The agenda is to duplicate heaven and the earth. You cannot be worldly and change the world. You have to be kingdom to change the world. I don't know if I am stepping on some toes, but I got to tell the truth. So Jesus said the kingdom is like yeast. It does not coexist. So what do we do now, Pastor Mike? We need to go home. This is what we need to do. We need to find the areas of our life that we have compromised and let the world system get into it. And we need to change the way we operate, and that's going to take place starting. I just finished building the best I could do with the concept of the kingdom. So I, I want to take that next week and start giving you the keys, the keys, the, thing, the practical things, because you've got to take the world's thinking out of your money. Here's a kingdom concept. Tithing and offering is kingdom operation. God says, if you give to me the first of your increase, I will give back to you. And I'll get into that key later. But it's a kingdom key. We don't operate our money the way the world does. Your relationships have got to get in line with the kingdom of God. They can't be the way we think relationships are. They have to be aligned with the What does God say is right in relationships? 
Anybody that's not taking you closer to the Lord, you need to cut them off or give them a break. Pause. Get yourself together. And we'll talk later. And we have to apply God's kingdom plan and take the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to, to get aligned. Now, I'm a big grace preacher, and I'm telling you, when you get your mind set on change, the Holy Spirit, the governor, comes in to teach you the kingdom. He wants to teach you the ways. He wants to empower you. He wants to break your fear about certain things that you got to do. Look, it's scary to step into the kingdom sometimes because the world system makes us so comfortable. It gives us a sense of control, but you're not supposed to be in control. You're supposed to be under dominion. You need the dominion in your finances. You need dominion in your household. You need dominion over your children because the stuff that we're relying on is going to fail eventually. I feel like I am pleading up here. So the kingdom of God, we have to get and learn it. And God wants to give you a kingdom life. He wants your life to look like heaven's life. He wants you to look like Jesus. Amen? So next couple of weeks, we're going to do kingdom keys. I can't believe I preach as fast as I can and the time gets gone so quick. Can, can you guys receive that today? That was a tough message. Stepping on some toes and stepping in some areas that probably some churches would never dare go into. But I'm telling you, God wants something much better for you. I remember when I got born again, God said, let go of that music. I said, why? It's just music. He said, no, it's not. It's yeast. It's changing you. Your heart is growing dull because of that. You can't hear me like you're supposed to. It has nothing to do with me going to heaven. You're going to heaven, but you can't take over the earth because you can't hear me. He said, stop watching that kind of movie. I said, why? It's just a movie. It's just entertainment. He said, no, it's not. It's yeast. You can't feel it working. You can't see it working yeast is silent it creeps in and it takes over it comes into your children's mind at an early age and then when they're grown it has rocked their whole world yeast moves in and it expands he said just listen to something else listen to something that listen to some kingdom music and and i'm like what it's just it's just entertainment it's yeast you don't even know it's changing you until you get down the road 20 years and you go, what, what happened? What happened to my life? I had a direction. You've been impacted. And you didn't even know it was happening. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, we got to get it out. And then we will get the kingdom life. And God will trade you your poverty for his riches. He will trade you your weakness for his strength. He will trade you your sorrow for his joy. He will trade you everything if you just let it all go. Quit hanging on to that stuff. And this is not a legalistic teaching. This right here is freedom coming to you. And the Holy Spirit is with you to help you let it go. He will hold your hand all the way through it and empower you to push delete on your phone for that individual. He will empower you. To give your first tithe and all you've been given is offerings. I'm telling you, there's a kingdom, there's a kingdom response. When you do that to the king, he has to respond to you. I can't wait to teach kingdom giving. It's gonna blow you away. Amen. So in the frame of mind of giving, let's stand on our feet. Can we clap? I know that was tough, but I, f- I feel like y'all don't be mad at me, okay? I gave you a lot of scriptures. I hope you wrote them down. I want you to go back and look over those notes. The next few weeks. We built the kingdom concept the last three weeks. The next few weeks, we're going to be talking about everything.